This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the MK1 podcast, a podcast where myself, Ross and Joe talk everything Milton Keynes Dons. First of all, Ross, how are you doing? I'm doing good, thanks, mate, after a win yesterday. Yeah, it's a good feeling, isn't it? It's a, a winning feeling's always good. Um, also, with uh, Joe's taking a break this little weekend, uh, you know, he's going to be back on the, Mon- the Wednesday podcast, I should say sorry. But no worries, we've got a replacement in and we're more than happy to welcome uh, Jonathan onto the podcast. So, Jonathan, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. As long as you guys are both all right, that's the main thing. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm more than all right. After yesterday, it was a brilliant performance and a brilliant result to uh, finally kickstart our league campaign. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So as usual, we've got a lot, of, lot to get stuck into, um, and we're going to touch on stuff pre Gillingham uh, first of all, and particularly deadline day. Uh, you know, as as we were maybe expecting, we saw quite busy uh, Milton Keynes Don's uh, ingoings and outgoings, and we saw Sam Nombe leaves the club to uh, join Luton Town on loan of an option to buy, which uh, went down well to say the least. And uh, we brought in two players in in the other direction uh, with uh, Steve Walker coming back to the club on loan from Middlesbrough, and Andrew Fisher joined the club permanently from Blackburn, who we're both fairly familiar with from the previous time with the club. Uh, Ross, why don't you give us your thoughts on? You know, non leaving the club and the two guys that I'd be brought into perhaps soften the wound a little bit. Um, it was quite a strange feeling amongst um, myself, and uh, I was speaking to my brother about it. Um, and it's just non when he played, he wasn't always a main man. Um, he came off the bench. Um, I don't feel he was nothing more than that. Um, but I feel like bringing Stephen Walker in, I know brought some controversy to it um, with the WhatsApp um, group chat incident. And um, I feel like it's a bit of a like-for-like replacement. And um, I know it hasn't gone down well in our fan base, but we've just got to trust Russ Martin's um, recruitment process. And um, 
let's just hope that uh, Stephen Walker, Stephen Walker, has uh, that potential. Russ goes on about and uh, develops quickly. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it's pointless comparing the Walker that we saw was eighteen months ago to the one now because that that is sort of age range. there now is such a like, pivotal time in his development, and you know we don't know how. And if Russ says he's developed this much, and to be honest, he needed to because I didn't really think he was that impressive at sort of the minutes that he did get when he was here. But if he has improved and Russ likes him, I said Russ, we just got to trust the process and hope that you know, he can step up when he need, is needed to and, you know, give us some goals. I think the more the more baffling thing for me regarding the non-bay situation was I don't see how we benefit from this deal. And maybe that's because it's a bit like the Alex Gilby situation, the Reece Healy situation where the player wanted to leave. And that was made clear by their interest in January and perhaps previously. But him going out on loan with an option to buy, it just benefits Luton in terms of, you know, they get a year of development potentially of non-bay. And then they probably get him for a cheap option by now because his contract would have run down by a year. It just it doesn't make much sense to me. Uh, Jonathan, I don't know if you can make much sense of the situation for me, but uh, yeah, feel free to give your thoughts on it. Well, first of all, I think um, having Andrew Fisher uh, come back in it will actually improve Lee. There's no disrespect to Laurie Walker. Um, we all know the mistake he made against Stevenage um, if we did watch the um, game or see the highlights. Um, I just think Fisher, from the sounds of it, even though we haven't physically seen him as a goalkeeper play for the team, um, I, th- I just think that he'll he'll push Lee further. Um, and it'll, it just feels like... Um, it just feels like we're stronger in the goalkeeper department. Um, I was talking to a couple of crew fans yesterday afternoon after um, after the game, and they actually said that last season when they, when he went to them, um, that he he actually was all right. He scored a few goals for them. He he bought into their ethos, which is obviously similar to ours with the passing and everything, and. Yeah, I know he's got a bit of history with the, with the WhatsApp and I believe he, he uh, confronted a fan as well at some point after after a game as well. Um, not 100% uh, sure on that because obviously I wasn't there. But um, I just think, we, as uh, Ross said, we've just got to trust that um, Russ knows what he's doing. Um, we, we've, um, yeah, say so replaced like for like. I did really rate Nombe more sort of as a central striker than the position he was actually played in uh, for most of the time, especially as the front three. But uh, yeah, I agree with you, Liam. It was a bit strange in moving to a championship club to get more football, and especially with the strikers Luton have got, you'd think, is he going to get the game time that he, he obviously wants? Yeah, well, I mean, for the personality we've seen from Nombe, he's not one to go down without a fight, so I'm sure he'll give it his all at Luton and, you know, fight for this game time that he feels he deserves at championship level. Um, but as I said, for the club, it's it's a it's a win-win situation from a Luton Town perspective. You know, they're getting a young player who's hungry and, you know, he, he's got clear signs of development and they could probably buy him for a low six-figure fee of that at the end of the season. So I think if... Russell, a bit like I said, a bit like the previous transfers. If Russell knew he wanted to leave, and 
they could get something for him in the future, then I suppose it makes sense. But right now, it doesn't to me. You, you talked about uh, Fisher. Um, we'll elaborate on a bit more later um, in the topic of Lee Nichols because we wanted to speak about Nichols last week, but he didn't really get a chance to because there was so much to cram in. Um, but yeah, that WhatsApp conversation is interesting and uh, it's interesting how it sprung up again because I remember it uh, when he was first, Walker was first here and it uh, didn't get the, perhaps the attention it deserved, uh, but now it has. So it'll be interesting to see how he's developed on since then. And hopefully, if those crew fans are right, then he can contribute to the team. Um, I remember Jonathan um, he actually mentioned to us about Russell Martin calling this transfer window a fantastic transfer window. And uh, I'm not sure, maybe his definition of fantastic is uh, different to mine in particular, but I wouldn't say um, selling the plays we have done uh, class is fantastic. Um, uh, Jonathan, I know you had some thoughts on this. Why don't you give your thoughts on Russell Martin's comments about this being a fantastic transfer window? Uh, well, I I sort of was when he when he dropped that bombshell. I I had to sort of think what do, what does he actually class as as a good transfer window? Because as as we all know, um, there was four players. You say three of them were probably starters, um, and obviously um, Healy and Gilby last season pretty much turned the fortunes round single handedly between them. Um, Russell Martin and the concern was yes the players heads were turned and um, yeah the, like, the players heads were, were, were turned and obviously when they're turned you can't really sort of try and persuade them to, to come back and um, obviously in Rhys Healy's case going to going to France is a big opportunity for someone his age um, what I would say is I still don't think we have replaced recently. This isn't going, this isn't being critical of Cameron Jerome or Carlton Morris or Joe Mason or anything. Um, you look at the Peterborough situation when they sold Ivan Tony and they've gone and got Johnson Clark Harris in. They they had it seemed like they had a contingency plan, whereas with uh, Healy in particular, it just seemed it was almost like a Right, who can who can we get in as as cheap as possible, and especially when Andy Cullen, uh, Pete Winkleman, and Russell Martin they did say if the money's there to spend, we will break the transfer record, and it just feels like just feels like we're being lied to, to be honest, because you you don't come out and say things like that, and uh, and then don't don't back them up. So I can understand fans' frustrations, but at the same time, as as Ross just said, just these are the players we've got now until January, so we've got to back the players that are at the club, really. Yeah, I remember um, Martin spoke. Uh, I think I was, it was either the deadline day window or after the Jules game, but either way, he said that you can't really replace a player like for like, like. And I, I kind of agree. Um, you know, Healy was so instrumental to this team and this team's survival last season. That you know, replacing him, it's not impossible, but it is near on, and. Um, yeah, I do agree with what you're saying. I don't know. I, I think I think I don't know if you saw the comments regarding Steve Evans um, after the game yesterday, but he mentioned how we were potentially after Will Gregg, um, and that was our supposed record bid. Um, whether you believe 
that was actually a thing or not. Um, so that was interesting to hear because I know a few months ago that Will Grigg was in the uh, rumour mill a little bit of regarding coming to us. So maybe there's a bit of truth to that in there. Um, Ross, what are your thoughts on you know, Martin's comments and perhaps some of what Jonathan said regarding the window? Um, as I say, I don't think it's a fantastic window. Um, I think it's a good window. Um, the main thing, the club, as Ross Martin said, he, need, he needed a change. And I think we need to get our, de- our, our identity back and philosophy of the MK way. And Russ isn't going to do it in one window. He's going to need time. And um, we brought in the, in the youth uh, through Harvey and then obviously our academy products in Jack Davies. And then we've also mixed it up with a bit of experience in Jerome and Keogh. And I feel like we, we've got that balance in the squad now. And we can mention Healy, we can mention Gilby all we want, but they're gone now. And I'm looking ahead of what potential this team's got. And I'm positive about this squad. And I feel like, as we all say, once we get a fit squad, a fit Bob Fraser, fit Keogh, Jerome, we can actually do well and progress up this table. Because this season was never really about promotion or champions. And I feel like this season was just about progress. And um, I'm actually feeling very positive going forward with the players we've recruited. And um, I'm just excited to see where we go. Yeah, I think it's been a good window. Um, Obviously, you know, it's been a bit of a roller coaster, one losing the players we have and... Uh, you know, some fans maybe not appreciating the players we have brought in, but all they can do now is prove those fans wrong. And we'll get into Saturday in a minute, but I feel Saturday in a way was a sucker punch to some of those fans that may, maybe were thinking that Cameron Jerome isn't good enough or, you know, other players weren't exactly the level that we needed to be at. So, yeah, it's interesting. And, you know, if, if it doesn't work out, the January goes around the corner. And based off what the club has perceivably spent or hasn't spent, you know, there's only a two-month wait until we can potentially sign players again. So let's not wait any longer. Let's get on to Saturday. Uh, we finally got our first league win, a much-deserved one as well, uh, beating Gillingham 2-0 at home. I thought it was a pretty dominant performance, actually, um, besides a few times where, you know, Gillingham had to chase the game and they had a few chances where from overlapping balls, things like that. But yeah, I thought we played well. Um, Ross, what are your thoughts on uh, Gillingham on Saturday? Really proud of that performance, to be fair. As you say, 62% possession, once again. Uh, <laughs> don't lie. And what impressed me the most was we we reduced Gillingham to one shot on target. Lee didn't really have to um, do much. And the pl- most pleasing thing, which um, really, really I enjoyed, was uh, the clean shoot. We know Milton Keynes... Uh, well, some fans call it Milky Dons. And um, I feel like this is going to be a confidence booster towards that back line. And hopefully we go, um, we have some momentum going forward into this Oxford that game. Yeah, it was it was, it was the first game finally where the defence, for one, didn't concede early and two, didn't make those silly mistakes to be punished for. Like I said it on the podcast um, the, on Wednesday, how, you know, it was all about not being punished those mistakes and, Ultimately, didn't, and we controlled the game for the most part. And it was, it was fine. It was really refreshing to see, and it was finally the reward that we deserved. And 
you know, and it's a good because this month is gonna it's full of tough teams and how you know we need to be relishing to play these big teams and I think this squad can do it pretty comfortably. Uh, Jonathan, how do you think we performed on Saturday? Well, I, I totally agree with, with Ross. You know, I was really proud of the performance. I was a bit nervous going into it. it was obviously Gillingham had hit a bit of form. They'd uh, beaten Oxford the week previously. Um, we play a similar sort of style. But I just feel like we, we controlled them and um, the danger man, Jordan Graham, um, he did have a lot of the ball, but he didn't really um, have much success. And I think that that just goes to show that we can we can have a plan for, for certain certain players. I think we did it last season with Ronan Curtis when Portsmouth came to visit us. Um, so, yeah, all in all, I, I'm really happy. I was uh, Cameron Jerome's proved me wrong because I was one of the doubters when when he signed. Um, Scott Fraser obviously has been uh, been the talk of the uh, quite a few of, of the pundits over the weekend as well, which <laughs> I don't know whether I like or not. Um, <laughs> David Kasumu as well. It he's just I don't know. He just seems to come back from pre-season a completely different player. He seems more sort of confident to to um, be in control of the game, be a be a leader. I don't know if it's because he's got Richard Keogh and like the experience behind him, or just whether Russell's had a had a word of him. But to keep someone like Jordan Houghton out who. I think we can all agree at the start of the season we thought, right, he's going to be one of the first names on the team sheet. Um, it, it bodes well for how, how strong the squad actually is going forward. Yeah, I think Kasumi's proven me wrong, definitely. And ultimately, it has been a position change that has brought out this different side of players to him. But he seems to work really well in that sort of pivot role that I've spoken about on Twitter. And yeah, I'm really enjoying him excel because you know he's one of the academy players. We all, we all want to see them do well, regardless of whether it's for us or other clubs. Um, but yeah, long may it continue. Um, you mentioned Jordan Graham, and he actually had 13 crosses on Saturday, and only four of them met a Gillingham player. So that shows how we were prepared for, you know, Graham potentially trying to run the game and get it into like players like Oliver and things like that, and three set pieces, etc. So yeah, I feel like it was. I said a long time coming and it was it shows the hard work that the team are putting in in general to get these wins and try and push it up the table. Um, so yeah, we mentioned it briefly earlier and um, we wanted to discuss it last week. And it's in particular Lee Nichols. And I'm I'm one of the biggest fans of Lee Nichols out there. Like he was my player of the season last season, um, despite everything that Reese Healy did. I felt towards the start of the season he kept us in the games and he we could have been down the relegation zone quite badly as well if it wasn't for Lee and some of his performances. However, the uh, signing of Fisher on uh, deadline day, uh, for the, the domestic deadline day anyway, um, do we think that Fisher, for one, can take over from Nichols in the long-term future? And could this give Lee the, maybe the kick up the ass he is needed to you know push on in his team and try and bed into this sort of passing style of MK Dons a bit better? Uh, Ross, why don't you give your thoughts on that? Um, I can only echo what you've just said um, in regards to Liam. Um, in regards to Lee, obviously, being our standout player, not only last season, but the season before. Um, so, in a way, 
is he due an error or a few errors every now and then? Because he saved us so many times. Um, but yeah, as you say, there are questions um, about him. Does he command his error enough? Um, as you say, his passing ability is questionable at times. But also, I noticed that against Julian, um, especially, he panics when they press and um, he goes for a long ball. And I don't know whether it's down to uh, him panicking so much, but when he does try and do that long ball, goes wayward and um, puts himself in a bit of danger. And we got got away with it at the weekend, but um, maybe we won't get that roll of the dice and we might get punished. Yeah, I, I remember when um, Tisdale was manager of the club and Lee was kind of asked to do this similar type of you know passing style and commander's area. And I believe he struggled last time and that's why you know he, he was dropped ultimately because he was struggling to pick up on these skills and it was costing the team games at times. And I'm really hoping that he can tell his skills because, you know, I am such a big fan of him and I've wanted to, I did. I do see him as a long-term sister of Martin when Martin did leave, but if he keeps, if he keeps, you know, not developing and ultimately costing the team in the future, and when we play these teams at Oxford, who are playing a midweek, then it's going to be difficult to keep backing him. I don't know if you have any thoughts on uh, Nichols, Jonathan. You want to elaborate on them? Uh, yeah. Well, first of all, I, I'm in total agreement with you. Um, as regards, he's a bit of an unsung hero. I mean, obviously this season he's not he's not had to pull off any sort of wonder saves or or things like that. If you remember when he first broke into the team, he had that wonder save at home to Rotherham. Um, and he's 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 made quite a few sort of really sort of good saves, and he was I think he was um, like the best goalkeeper last season for sort of shot stopping in the in the league or he was certainly um up there. Um he did he has said in interviews before how he how he's had to adjust to uh this different style and he he is getting better but as as Ross has said I, I just feel that um apparently Fisher just seems better sort of with his ball at his feet from from what's been said in the highlights that I've seen. So I'm just sort of Wondering, like, like you guys have said, if he does make a few mistakes, um, how ruthless will Russell Martin actually be to say to him, right, you're you're out the team, um, and then bring Fisher in, and then it's up to Lee to prove to Russell that he's uh, worthy of coming back in. But to me, he's, um, I wasn't ex- expecting when he first broke into into the team for him to be as as uh, crucial as he has actually been. Yeah, it's definitely a, a situation to monitor regarding Fisher. Um, and I did actually know about his ball playing ability um, as a goalkeeper, so that'll be interesting. Now it's a different dimension to it. Um, that's why I brought you on, Jonathan, to bring this sort of knowledge to the uh, podcast, which is great. Um, yeah, so the player who definitely impressed on his debut uh, was Cameron Jerome. Or his first start, I should say, so not debut. Um, you know, he got the first goal, um, and outside of a few misplaced touches or poor passes, I thought he was excellent on Saturday. Yeah, great movement off the ball for that guy I was mentioned, and his partnership with Morris in particular. Yeah, you know, I know they know each other from Norwich times when uh, Morris was a bit more of a youngster and Cameron Jerome was in like a prime of his career. But those two up top seem to work really well, and it kind of 
because they're both quite big presences at the top it, the Jill's defence struggled to deal with them both at the same time and they could only mark one and that was quite prevalent within the second goal for Gillingham as, you know, Morris was wide open and all he had to do was tap it in. Uh, Jonathan, I know you mentioned regarding Jerome, how you weren't the biggest enthusiast when he first joined. Did Saturday change your mind at all regarding his long-term like stay in the team? Uh, well, I, I'll say it, it's 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 swaying me um, towards keeping him in the team. Um, it, it's good to have someone like him up up there with his with his experience, and is obviously he's got Premier League experience and Championship experience. And as Russell said, that he was he's I think he's one of the all-time Championship sort of top goal scorers. So to get him. In yes, he's thirty-four, and I know a lot of our fans will be like, "Well, we need a younger striker in." But someone like Jerome could actually, as we saw on Saturday, help someone like like a Morris or a or a Walker or a Mason. Um, I think Carlton Morris deserved that goal yesterday, and as you say, although Gillingham were really sort of, well, I suppose they were wide open for for, for both really, but. It, I think it's down to just like our passing was was on point, especially in the final third. We we seemed to know what where we wanted to pass it, and players knew where to be. It just seemed to to click, and it'll be interesting against Oxford as to whether I think he will keep Jerome and Morris up top because they've obviously both scored and the partnership and everything. Um, it'll just going forward. It'll be interesting to see if, say, I don't know, Morris Morris's form has dropped. Whether it'll be Joe Mason that'll be up alongside Jerome, or whether it'll be um, Stephen Walker. Because, as you say, I think um, I think Jerome's probably got the one of the spots sorted. Yeah, potentially. And I mean, if he can show a bit more promises, build up play, um, then. Yeah, he could, I think mean, he could challenge Morris for, for playing alongside him and replacing him. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll probably get to see Walker on Tuesday, actually, against Oxford. Um, I think Russ Martin spoke about how um, he's going to get some minutes at least, so maybe expect half an hour from him. He's been playing the friendlies at international break with Middlesbrough anyway, so he's got some sort of fitness. Um, so, yeah, it'd be nice to see perhaps who he replaces Walker and if that is a Jerome, how he works with Morris and... Yeah, I mean, as you said, it has. It seemed to click quite a bit on Saturday, and the best bit is, I said on Twitter, it's not one hundred percent yet. Like it's probably about 80, 85, and we're still embedding new players into the team. So once it hits that one hundred percent, imagine what a partnership like Morris and Jerome could look like, like a month or two down the line. Uh, Ross, how do you think Jerome played on Saturday, and in particular, like his partnership and link up with Morris in the game? It's obvious that he was one of the standouts on Saturday. Something we've got to bear in mind also, he's had a week's training and um, everyone's saying um, that he's um, old. I'm not buying into it, to be completely honest. You've got Aaron Wil- Wilbraham, who's at Rochdale. He's 40 years old. He's still playing. <laughs> I'm not buying into this age argument. And um, just from Saturday's performance, I can see that he was on the same wavelength as Morris. And he had that bit of a connection with him. And... Uh, he weren't scared to do Morris's work and Morris weren't scared to do his work. So, um, as you say, Liam, he's only he's only 80%. He's, he's nowhere near match fit in my eyes. Um, and you could tell that on the, like, the 60th minute work, uh, mark, his legs were going. 
Yeah. And uh, I think Martin said that in his post-match um, interview as well. Yeah. Same with Fraser as well. Um, but on a whole, I think um, for his first start, I was very impressed with Jerome. Yeah, it's hard to argue what you said, Ross. I, I, I mean, we said on the podcast last week how, you know, you scored the goals you did score in Turkey. Like, it's not full of mugs. It's really like full of Champions League, Europa League teams. Like, a one in five goal record there is not bad at all. And, you know, getting him to come to a League One team, in my opinion, was a great coup. And the fact that he scored in his debut is hopefully a sign of more things to come. Another player who I want to touch upon, who actually got the Sofa Squad Man of the Match, uh, was actually Regan Paul. And it's a bit interesting to me because I know the comment, the people on commentary, Toby, mentioned how he felt like he lacks that defensive responsibilities. But if you look at the numbers a bit more, um, Regan Paul actually won six out of his eight ground duels. And although he allowed Graham to get the crosses in, I felt we notified him pretty well. And of course, this was also in addition to his tacking output, where he got three key passes. And I believe he assisted the first goal for Cameron Jerome. Uh, Jonathan, how do you think Regan Paul played on Saturday? And now that Britain's gone, do you think he is the heir to the right wing back throne? Uh, well, first of all, he, I've always rated Regan Paul. Um, he came with rave reviews from from Newport, especially in their um, season in the uh, League Two. I think when they got to the playoff uh, playoff final, um, he's I'm glad that he's finally found his position because I think under Tisdale, he was more of a right centre-back where, where George is. And um, there was that partnership with Britain at the start of the season that did look did look promising. But now I think he is, it, barring injury or loss of form, um, he I think he has got the place um, pretty much his um, in the squad. I mean, obviously... He's got someone like George Williams behind him who can do a more than capable job at, at um, wing-back as well. And obviously, sorry, Norilo can, can do a job there, but I, I don't think he's going to get as much game time, particularly in the league. Um, but I, I just feel that um, he's a bit sort of underrated by the fans, as you say. I think he did a really, really good job on, on Jordan Graham. Yeah, he didn't sort of tackle but it was more his, his tracking tracking Jordan Graham's runs and making Jordan Graham sort of cross with his wrong foot and things like that and that's sort of what we what we sort of lacked with Callum as good as he was going forward defensively he would sometimes switch off and I don't think we're going to get that with Regan to be honest Yeah and especially if he actually mentioned with Tista he was a right centre-back so he has that defensive responsibility more ingrained into him than perhaps Britain would. As you know, Britain was more of that you know attacking type that would love to bomb on the field, and that's why ultimately he was put in midfield because you know he, he can you know make things happen. Um, yeah, I mean, I said that I wanted Regan Paul right wing back when he first joined, and I've got my wish, and I'm really happy with how he's playing, and he looks great. I don't know if you had any thoughts, Ross, on his man and match performance according to save the score, but. Uh, yeah, feel free to give any thoughts you had. Um, first of all, I think it was a very solid performance. But um, I've discussed with you, Liam, um, through uh, messages about Regan Paul, and I've always been a big fan of his um, at that right wing-back role. Um, I think his whole round, round game is a lot more um, better than Sorinola. I know 
um, with Torinola's only young kids, so we've got to give them time to develop. Um, but I feel like um, Paul, as Jonathan just said, he he's very reassuring um, defensively, and yeah, he weren't he weren't there with um, Graham's crossing, but just being there, putting under your um, opposition under pressure, and just put them off slightly, and as you say, Liam, earlier on, his, how many did he connect? Did you say three? A uh, 13 crosses for accuracy, so four connected with Gillingham players. Four connected, exactly. That's quite poor for a winger. Yeah, so, um, definitely. That, that credit is due um, with Regan Paul. But yeah. I feel like with Regan Paul, I feel like the international breaks um, disrupted his progress um, in this side. And hopefully, um, I don't know when the next international break is, but um, Regan Paul, as you say, can start cementing down that right. Uh, I think it's sometime in November. Oh, is it that soon? Wow. Okay, well, that's interesting because obviously the other player on that side, Daniel Harvey, um, yeah. he'll be off there as well. And it's interesting, I know we've been touching Paul, but quickly on Harvey, how Martin felt how the international break this time actually developed Harvey a lot more and he came back a lot more mature and like ready to go, which is interesting because it kind of, well, it reflects in his play clearly because the one with the half we saw at the start of the season was a shadow of the one we saw in pre season. Obviously, the one on Saturday, well, I thought it was pretty impressive. And you know, I don't think he, he didn't get any assists or anything, but he played some pretty key passes and followed up the wing quite a lot. And yeah, it'd be good to see in the future if he can keep that up. Also, I noticed at the weekend that Regan Paul was taking corners. I can't understand why you'd put someone with as much aerial presence with Regan Paul um, on corners. I just don't, I just don't understand it. I I want him in the box as he as I say he's an aerial threat to score a goal. Yeah. Why don't yeah. we put one of our best set piece takers in uh, Scott Fraser, who we've seen has got that quality and that moment of quality. Why don't we put him on corners? I don't understand it. I think Sorensen's been when Sorensen's played. Sorensen's been sort of the man, sort of on the on the free kicks and that. I'm just wondering if um, Russell Martin just felt with the squad on Saturday that there wasn't anyone sort of that could could stand out. Sorry, apart from like I think like the crew game, Sorensen's deliveries from set pieces have been fairly fairly decent. To be fair. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting actually. Um, I noticed in the crew gets old, but like Ben Gladwin was on corners, and Ben Gladwin's our tallest player, and it it doesn't make much sense. I was like, well, it is an interesting topic actually. Maybe we should go into depth on it another time, Ross, and uh, another episode because it could be interesting to monitor and see like if that changes or is Paul going to be the corner guy. Um, but yeah, that's an interesting point you make up there actually. Well, Sorinola was on free kicks last week. It was just like. You are. Yeah, yeah, it's baffling. Maybe you feel like there's anyone that's set that's in the squad that's settled to like last season. You sort of knew Jordan Houghton or Louis were going to be on the corners on the free kicks nine times out of ten, and it just I don't know. It just feels like Russell Martin's got a sort of lucky dip and going right. You're in the squad. You're taking the corners this this week, sort of thing. Hey, maybe it's to confuse the opponents. Who knows? I'm I'm not sure. It's definitely confusing us anyway. Um, Anyway, yeah, so brilliant performance on Saturday. Uh, really happy with the performance. I know we all are as a trio, um, but it's important we focus on uh, Tuesday's game against Oxford. Uh, so that's another important game in this month. Uh, 
so yeah, Ross, why don't you take us away to Oxford and give us some thoughts on the team in general? So it's our second game in four days. As you say, we're travelling to the Tassam Stadium against an Oxford side who are sitting bottom of League One. Um, with all the quality they've got, I'm very surprised to see them. Um, not clicking just yet, but very early on in the season, as you say. Um, they lost to Peterborough 2-0 last time out. And a stat which um, highlighted um, up um, was their four shots on target. Um, I've noticed that a few Oxford fans are, are questioning the clinicality of Matty Taylor up top. Um, but he's, he, I feel like he brings that experience along that um, leading the line with um, two goals this season out of four. Um, Oxford, this Oxford side is very much similar to what we play, a very possession-based, um, a 4-3-3 formation. Um, and uh, one of the players I wanted to highlight was um, James Henry, the club captain. He's a very much a, um, I wouldn't say one to watch, because of I know Liam's going to bring up a certain player uh, later on. But um, he's very much an underwhelming talent in that Oxford side. He's got one goal and two assists in four games, which is quite impressive out on that right. Um, also, there's some defensive frailties in that side. In Liam Kelly, the uh, 24 years old, who's on loan. Um, also, I saw um, a few Oxford fans commenting about Sam Long, the centre-half. Maybe that's something we could capitalise on and um, going forward, use that to our advantage. Yeah, some really good thoughts there, Ross, actually. Um, I'm glad you brought James Henry because I always kind of see him as like this really solid player who's quite dependable, as you said, and I think from a Carl Robertson team, we kind of saw that in the past with players like Carl Baker and things like that. So it kind of shows how Robinson always develops. He still likes those kind of players, uh, especially on the wings. Um, but yeah, the player that I in particular think is going to try and run this game is Anthony Ford. Um, and he seems to be their creative hub. You know, on Saturday, he created two big chances. Um, unfortunately, none of them were taken um, for their sake anyway. But, you know, he seems, in the absence of Brannigan, who was uh, not playing on Saturday due to an eye issue, uh, he seems to be the guy that trying to get things ticking in the midfield. And for me, we're going to need to really focus in on him in this game in order to try and get a result, nullify his impact on the team. And in turn, players like Matty Taylor won't get the ch his chances. And you mentioned about Matty Taylor's uh, clinicality. He's actually already missed four big chances this season. And that's free clear of anyone else on the team. So it's fairly clear that they're trying to get the ball to Matty Taylor in these sort of areas. Um, a bit like we did for Will Grigg, perhaps, when he was at Milton Keynes Dons. And yeah, it's going to be a tough game. I said two teams that play similar styles. Um, and hopefully we benefit. I mean, Jonathan, what are your thoughts on travelling to Oxford on a midweek game where we typically have a good game against them? Well... I'm not too keen on the way they choose this. I don't think we've fairly been like successful sort of as, as a club on on a Tuesday night away. I think I remember got Port Port Vale's the only one I've sort of gone to away on the Tuesday night that we've we've actually won. But uh, going on to, to Oxford, I think it's going to be like a really really sort of big game of chess because, as you say, play similar styles. Um, 
as Ross has said, I think there is going to be a bit of a weakness in Oxford's centre back. They not um, a few of the Oxford fans have really got on the back of. Uh, I think is it Rob Atkinson's the other centre back as well. He's not uh, had a good start to the season. Obviously, they lost they lost their main man to QPR over the summer as well, and haven't really replaced him. I know yesterday Carl Robinson was moaning, surprise, surprise, about um, a few of his uh, players and saying that he'd be willing to take a, a risk on some of the um, like the freebies um, and get rid of some of the squad. But that's probably Robbo just overreacting after a after a game. Um, I, I just feel that we just need to carry this momentum on from from Saturday. Um, obviously, be nice to finally get this league away away win. Um, it's been way way too long. I still don't count Stevenage as a as an away win because I don't <laughs> believe in that competition. But neither neither do we, Jonathan. Neither do we. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to it. And I, I just feel that people are underestimating Matty Taylor because what it, when he does get on goal, he does work the goalkeeper. So I'm, so we're going to have to be vigilant uh, because obviously Saturday we had Vidane uh, uh, Oliver um, and we kept him on the whole really quiet and Dominic Samuel. Matt and uh, Taylor is just a completely different striker. He'll stretch the defence and, yeah, we're just going to have to really be on our guard on the counter-attack, really. Yeah, I agree, especially if they play someone like Dan Ajayi, who he's a striker himself, but he's been playing on the wing predominantly. And, you know, he is that type of player that can change the game and has a bit of pace about him. But, yeah, I completely agree with the Taylor comments. Like, he is a different striker to what we're facing. He's going to drift in between the lines, try and, you know, go go and um, undetected, I suppose. Whereas with this video, big lumps up front who are trying to create play for others. So it'll be interesting to see how the team adapts to perhaps not that type of play from the opposition and if they can cope with it. So, gents, um, I know there's a comment regarding, um, you mentioned Brannigan already and how he could potentially be out. Um, but I know you wanted to bring up how that battle, if it is maybe Brannigan or it is Ford, how that could counteract between a Kasumu or a Houghton battle in the midfield. As you know, we both play predominantly free, a central free in the midfield, and that could be quite a battle uh, throughout the whole game, particularly, especially if Kasumu is in his deep line playmaker role that he has typically been associated with these past few games. Uh, Ross, did you have any thoughts on this key battle in the midfield? It's a very interesting <laughs> one, really. And um, I feel like Kasumu must play. I've I've been one of Kasumu's uh, doubters and I've really said, oh, he's too weak. He hasn't got the passing ability. But I'm happy to be proved wrong, um, finally. And uh, I feel like um, when he gets in them tight situations, he somehow worms his way out of them. And I actually enjoy watching it. And um, I feel like this game will suit him because of, as you say, if he, if, if he wins that battle, he'll get a lot of success going forward. And um, I feel like with Houghton, he's not as um, mobile as what Kasumu uh, is going forward and uh, in them tight areas. Um, but maybe if if we do go 2-0 up or uh, whatever, um, just to reassure that back line, we could bring Houghton on in the, like, the last 30 minutes just to reassure that back line. So I think Kasumu is the person we need to start. But... Um, 
it's up to Russ Martin, Russ Martin at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah, and um, you know, Simu's learning how to be like fouled as well. Like you know, when the defense and the pressure, he's learning how to draw fouls from the opposition. He... No, go on, carry on. What did you say? The Lewington. Yeah, exactly, Lewington. Yeah, you know, he got five, he picked up five on Saturday, and uh, yeah, you can tell you can tell he's picking up little like gems of information, and uh, he's seen it every week, and it's really nice to see because, as I said earlier, like, I was one of the ones to doubt Casimir as well, but I'm glad he's found his role in the team, and he's starting to cement that. Uh, but yeah, like Casimir versus Fork is going to be a key battle, I think. Uh, you know, it's the creative hub versus the, you know, the guy that keeps the engine ticking, especially going forward. You know, Fraser's not going to have too many defensive responsibilities in any game, especially this one where we're going to try and be on the front foot and try and control the game. So, yeah, it's going to be a key battle. Uh, Jonathan, did you have any thoughts on this battle yourself? Uh, I, I, I am really, in, like, like both of you, I'm really intrigued about this because most games are sort of one in the, in the middle of the park. Um, I'm sort of wondering for Tuesday whether he might, Drop Louis Thompson to bring Jordan Houghton in is possibly the only change that I might make, just because of obviously Louis coming back from uh, from his injury and in that, and two games in a few days um, might be a bit too much. So it might be a bit of rotation in in that sense. But I, I feel that if Kasuma can get get um, win this battle, I think it'll be a, a huge tick for him because. In the main, this season, he's not really sort of had any sort of, I don't know, I don't want to disrespect the opposition, but there's not really been any opposition players that he's sort of really sort of um, had to really challenge. And you say someone someone as experienced as, as Anthony Ford, and if he can get if he can uh, get one up on him, it it could be it could be a key game for Kasumu's future, really. Definitely. Oh. Definitely be his first test that he's had properly this season. I agree with you there, Jonathan. And yeah, it's gonna be a really intriguing watch. And uh, don't forget, it's a seven pm kickoff, not a quarter to eight. I know some people are gonna get confused by that, so make sure you uh, have your rifle ready for seven. Yeah, I saw someone on the on one of the Facebook groups, uh, five past three, said yesterday. Or well, as the game started, and sort of people like, uh, well, it's just finished. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's always one. There's always one. All right, so let's get into predictions, gents. How do we feel Tuesday night is going to go at Oxford? Uh, Ross, why don't you give us your prediction? Um, as I said earlier, there's going to be two sides who want the ball and dictate the game. And it could end up as cancelling out each other. But um, I've noticed that Oxford like to attack down the wings and um, they fail to punish teams. So, And that does sound very familiar, by the way. Mm. Yes, definitely. Um, <laughs> uh, so if we exploit their uh, witnesses, which I've discussed earlier on, I think we'll win the game 2-1. Yeah, nice. I like it. Uh, me, myself, I reckon Oxford and are the perfect team for us to play against, you know, to play a similar style. And myself personally, I feel we're more further down the line with crafting this play style. Uh, so I feel we've already got the leg up on them. Um, and... I reckon we're going one 0 We're actually getting a way clean sheet and a win, so we'll get it. We'll get the whole load in one. Uh, Jonathan, why don't you give us your prediction for Tuesday night at Oxford? Well, I think this week in general is a, a big week coming up with two away games this week with Oxford and Blackpool, and they both play similar styles. And as you said, Liam, I think we we are ahead of both of them in terms of 
been stopped playing that style. I'm going to go with you, Liam. I'm going to go with an edgy sort of 1-0 away, away win. Um, but if we get an early goal, don't be surprised if um, Oxford might be the team that um, a few pundits have said that um, we could give a bit of a, uh, a spanking to. So, which obviously might upset Mr. Robinson. I'm sure he doesn't <laughs> want to. Uh, he, he won't want to lose two games in a row to us, especially because of, was it Russell Martin's first league win was against Oxford last season, wasn't it? Um, I've, got, I've got total memory, perhaps, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to go go with you, Liam, and go with a, a, a 1-0 away win. Yeah, I think it'll be a cagey one. I don't think there'll be too many goals, especially coming off a short week. Uh, whereas, you know, we've had a demanding game against Gillingham and they've had, they've had a, an equally demanding game against Peterborough. Um, yeah, I reckon one goal does it and hopefully we get that goal. Well, thank you very much for listening to episode six of the podcast. Before we go, Jonathan, do you have anything you wanted to plug? Uh, if I could just uh, do a bit of a shameless plug for the uh, MKDSA and their, their website. I know that in previous um, guises, they've not exactly been um, fan favourites or anything like that. But I think um, under the new stewardship, they've really sort of turned a corner. Um, I don't want to big myself up, but I do the previews for the games for them. We've got the um, trash talk where we get opposition fans opinions. Um, look out for the Wigan one because we've managed to get Xbox office guy Sam Swanton to do one for us. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, that was a bit That was a bit of a coup actually. So, uh, <laughs> if, uh, yeah, if you, if you can give it a go, go on the website, uh, join the MKDSA, £2 for the season. You get entered into a prize draw every month. I think this month you get a, a shirt with um, a player that you want on the back of it and signed by that player as well. So there is prices for it. And I just, yeah, just give the MKDSA a chance really because they are really doing some really good stuff. Um, obviously, they, they've got the bar area, which we're not able to use because of, uh, of lockdown, which looks which is really good. So, yeah, you just you get a couple of minutes, just go to the... Um, MKDSA website and uh, give it a look. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember myself now. I signed up for this season, and um, yeah, I'm really enjoying the content over there. You know, you got yourself, you got yourself. You had the previous guest on Martin doing his reviews, and he said loads of the content to enjoy. And we'll leave the link to the the SA website in the link of all our descriptions to the podcast, so you can go straight from there. Um, and yeah, thank you very much, Jonathan, for coming on. As I said, your experience and knowledge of Milton Keith Dons, but also other teams, is excellent. And you're welcome back on any time you'd like to. Well, thank you very much. I know it was a bit of a bit of a last minute sort of ask, obviously with uh, with Joe not not being here, but uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it, and uh, thanks for having me both on, guys. No worries. Thank you for making the time. Yeah, so that's the end of episode six of the MK1 podcast. We'd really appreciate it if you could rate, review, and subscribe. As I said before, the reviews go a long way in terms of you know getting our podcast out there but also giving us feedback on what you like and what you don't like we see some really good reviews so far and some really constructive feedback which we're looking to input into the podcast uh, for now or in the future thank you very much for listening to episode six and come on you dons Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. 
Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.